welcome you into another edition of State Lines. The unofficial start of summer is here. The month of June, hard to believe. We are going to have NFL training camps coming up, folks, in less than two months now. And the regular season kickoff, not the preseason, the regular season, is just about three months away. Time flies when you're having fun. It's Jason Gotch with you, joined as always by one of my co-hosts, Kevin Berger. And Kev, I don't know if you're as jacked up about the NFL as I am, but I'm ready to go for 2021. Should be fun. Looks like we're going to have full stadiums. The coronavirus uh, pandemic looks to be, if not in the rearview mirror, pretty close to it. So that's a, it's an encouraging time and a fun time uh, going around the country now, and especially to be a football fan with the NFL right around the corner. Yeah, Jason, absolutely. Um, COVID, I think, I think, I wouldn't say it's in the rearview mirror yet, but, you know, we're kind of pulled right alongside it, trying to, uh, you know, even like one of the fast movies, just right alongside it, trying to ram it off the road or something like that. So <laughs> um, I, I'm definitely excited for full stands. And are, are you kidding me? Uh, this is my favorite time of the year is the anticipation of training camp. Um, following all the position battles of your favorite teams, uh, especially if you have HBO like me. Um, the renewal of my absolute favorite summertime program, which is Heart, HBO's Hard Knocks. I absolutely love that. And, uh, yeah, a scene, um, even for me, Jason, something that comes down to is having two preseason games. I know a lot of people don't like the preseason games very much. I personally do, because more football is better than no football at all, in my opinion. So, uh... Let, let, let's get it going. Please yeah, let the ga- yeah let the games begin. And I, I'm with you. Look, I'm not a huge preseason fan, but I think you need at least two games. I mean, we, we saw Matt Nagy with Mitchell Trubisky not put him out there for much of the preseason at times. And uh, the Bears showed rust at times offensively, not having any preseason action when preseason games were available prior to 2020. So, yeah, a couple games work fine for me. And speaking of the Chicago Bears, we touched on this in one of our earlier episodes during the spring cap, but I'm going to bring it up again because the Bears now in full swing with with OTAs, Justin Fields is working with the quarterbacks, as is Andy Dalton and Nick Foles. And the odds have changed a little bit here for the Bears starting quarterback for week one. Andy Dalton's now minus 250, so the, the betting money seems to be moving towards him a little bit. Justin Fields is plus 200. Uh, Nick Foles is plus 1,600. All indications from the Bears are that Andy Dalton's going to be their starter week one. However, we've heard this from teams over the years, and then as training camp goes on, a highly touted rookie like a player like Fields, who was a high first round draft pick, wins the job. I know a few weeks ago, Kev, you were on Justin Fields to get that starting quarterback job. You like these odds? You still with them at plus 200, or you think Andy Dalton will be the starter? I'm going to stick with my bet, Jason, plus 200, because as I explained last time, I am a firm believer that if he goes out in training camp and in the preseason games, and if he proves that he is better than Andy Dalton, Rookie or not, contract or not, play him. Your job as Matt Nagy, as the head coach, and your offense is to have your team in the best position to succeed. And if that means that Justin Fields has to be the starter week one and you throw him into the fire, well, guess what? It's not like he hasn't gone up against top-quality competition before playing at Ohio State. I mean, look what he did in last year's co- in the college football playoff this year outdueling Trevor Lawrence. There's a reason why he was able to do that. So, yes, I'm going to stay with my plus 200, and I want to see this kid um, sooner rather than later as uh, step on the football field and sling the football around. 
All right, Kev is on Justin Fields, plus 200 to start week one for the Chicago Bears. I'm sticking with Andy Dalton. I mentioned it a few weeks ago. The Bears, this is too unconventional for them to go with Fields. Uh, Even if you're on Kev's side, you want Fields to start. It's Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace. I don't see them deviating from the game plan. I I think if the Bears slump this year, Fields will obviously get a lot of snaps and be a starter at some point, probably sooner rather than later. But I think for week one, they're going to go the same safe play. They signed Dalton for one year. They feel that Fields needs to develop a little bit. Even if he looks good, they don't want to rush him. So I I think it's a lot to put down, though. You got to think about minus 250 to win an additional 100. But if I had a if I was given the money, I would go here. Uh, Fields minus 250. And I think one thing Kevin and I can both agree on. Nick Foles at plus 1600. I don't see him uh, being the starter week one. And I, Jason Gotch, don't even think he's going to be on the roster week one. So it's either Dalton or Fields. Uh, we'll see what happens. But there's some other interesting ones here on the board. Uh, Kevin, for week one starting quarterbacks in the NFL, let's go with this one next. The New Orleans Saints, of course, Drew Brees has retired. He's going to do broadcasting work now for NBC. Uh, for J- yeah, Jameis Winston is minus 250 to start. Taysom Hill, plus 175 to start week one. Ian Book, the rookie from Notre Dame, plus 3,300. Again, I don't see Ian Book being the starter here. Uh, Winston at minus 250. Taysom Hill at plus 175. What do you got? Um, Jason, I'll be honest. I'm going to go with Jameis Winston because, I mean, I like Taysom Hill. I like what they uh, do with him. I think Sean Payton does too. I think he likes the role that he can have with Taysom Hill where he can go out there. He can take a couple snaps. He can line him up as an H-back, a running back. I know they throw him out there on special teams and stuff like that. I think I think they've even given him a couple snaps at tight end every once in a while too. So I don't see... Sean Payton taking that versatility away for out of um out of Taysom Hill's game. Uh so I'm gonna go with Jason or not Jason, Jameis Winston as well. Uh, but I do have to give a little love to my guy Ian Book at Notre Dame. Love the fact he I think that's the best situation for him to get drafted to. But yeah, I'm gonna go with uh the minus um what did you say, one seventy five for Jameis Winston? Minus two fifty Winston oh, plus one seventy five for Hill. All right, so, yeah, I'll take the minus 250 for Jameis Winston. Yeah, I'm with you on this one, Kevin. Well said. Look, uh, Hill provides that unique utility player role for the Saints. I don't see him as an everyday quarterback in the NFL, and frankly, I think it takes too much out of the Saints game, what they've been able to accomplish with him in that utility role in recent years. Uh, Winston signed for this reason prior to last season because in Tampa it didn't work out for him. They got Tom Brady. He showed flashes there. He threw a lot of touchdown passes with the Bucs, threw a lot of picks too, went to New Orleans to try and resurrect his career under Sean Payton. This is his shot. I think he's the starter here in 2021. He'll start week one. And Ian Book, yeah, good spot for him to be in. Rookie, learning from Sean Payton, but he's not going to start. The Patriots, who's going to start for them week one? Cam Newton, minus 278. Mac Jones, rookie out of Alabama, first-round pick, plus 275. Jarrett Stidham, plus 900, uh, young player out of Auburn. What do you got here, Kev? Who's starting for the Pats in 2021 week one? Oh, okay. So I'm trying to channel my inner Bill Belichick, which, of course, I don't have one. But if if I'm thinking Bill Belichick would do what Bill Belichick does, Jason, I'm going to think that he's going to start Cam Newton week one. Um, just to kind of see what type of player he gets to start off the season in Cam Newton. 
Obviously, as we've seen, he hasn't really had to do that very much because he uh, he had Tom Brady forever. But, uh, I yeah, I would go with Cam Newton to start week one. I'd say, again, to see kind of how he does, kind of how he reacts. And it's also going to come down to kind of a similar situation to the Bears. How does Mac Jones pick up the offense that uh, Josh that Josh McDaniels likes to run up in New England? So, I, I'm if I'm going to put money on it, I'll go with Cam Newton. All right, I'm going the other way on this one. I'm going Mac Jones plus 275 for a few reasons. Newton was terrible last year for the Patriots. I'm surprised he's back there. Uh, with New England after last season. I think Cam Newton's washed up at this point. Plus, Bill Belichick is a guy who thinks outside the box. Remember, in Brady's second year in the league, he was playing Tom Brady instead of Drew Bledsoe, who was the established quarterback in New England. Bledsoe got hurt. They never went back to Bledsoe, except in an AFC Championship game against Pittsburgh, because Brady actually got hurt in that game. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to say that Mac Jones, NFL ready out of Alabama, he, he, you know, his offense, that offense they run out of Alabama is more of a pro-style traditional offense than you see from a lot of college football teams. They'll run the ball. They'll do the traditional drop-back passing. So I think Jones is more NFL ready than some of these guys playing for Nick Saban. I think Bill Belichick thinks outside the box here and goes Mac Jones plus 275. Jarrett Stidham at plus 900, don't even think about it. If he didn't start last year, much with Cam Newton on the roster. He's not starting this year. I'm going Mac Jones plus 275. Here's one more, Kev, before we get to another rookie quarterback uh, uh, prop out there. The 49ers, Jimmy Garoppolo minus 278, Trey Lance plus 220, Josh Rosen plus 3,300, Nate Sudfeld, former Philadelphia Eagle, plus 4,000. Who you got here? Oh, oh that's, that, that's a tough one. I am going to say, I'll say Jimmy Garoppolo to start with just because the 49ers have invested so much time and money into Jimmy G. Uh, I, don't mistake me though, Jason. I think his leash is going to be extremely short. And by extremely short, I mean if he has one bad game, I think they would pull the plug on him. But I think week one, I think you're going to have to give the guy one last chance. So I would put, I would go with uh, Jimmy G. Uh, week one. I'm with you here uh, the same way you're thinking here on this one, Kevin. It's for this reason. Look, Garoppolo's not on this roster right now if he's not starting at the salary that they have him for. They would have traded him right before the draft knowing they wanted to get Trey Lance. Trey Lance is an NFL ready. There's no need to rush him. You've got a veteran Garoppolo on the roster. Let him play to start this season. If things go bad for the Niners, then maybe you get Lance on the field. Or maybe you sit him for a year or two if Garoppolo's playing well, Aaron Rodgers style with the Packers, you know, decade and a half ago. I mean, that that used to be the way it worked in the NFL. There's nothing wrong with doing it that way. Nobody seems to have that kind of patience anymore. But Kyle Shanahan's pretty well embedded in San Francisco after now being one year removed from a Super Bowl appearance. So if anybody's got the the time to do it, maybe the, the gravitas to do it, it's a guy like Kyle Shanahan in Frisco. So I'm with you. I'm going Garoppolo minus 278. I think that's actually a pretty easy one on the board. Before we get to uh, some breaking news in the state of Illinois regarding betting legally on college teams in the state, let's look at a couple more NFL things here. Trevor Lawrence, number one overall pick of the draft for Urban Meyer with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh, regular season total passing yards. Over 4,150 and a half, minus 112. Under 4,150 and a half, minus 
112. What do you got here, Kev? Trevor Lawrence going to have over 4150 and a half passing yards this year. No, under. Because Jason, the biggest thing is he doesn't have anybody to throw to. I mean, I'm sorry. The Jacksonville Jaguars, their, their entire offense is just it, it was a disaster last year. I mean, it didn't help that they had uh, Garner Minshew was supposed to be their starting quarterback. He was in and out of the lineup constantly. They don't really have that much of a running game. And again, it's a brand new regime. That. But um, other than that, then, I mean, there's Philip Dorsett as a receiver. That's about the only other name, even for a person who pays a lot of attention to the NFL like I do. Uh, there is nobody else on this offense of roster so far that is any sort of recognizable name outside of those two. So, yeah, I don't think he's going to get over 4,000 passing yards, mostly because he doesn't have anybody to throw the football to. All right, Kev's on the under. I am on the over on this one. Remember, we got the extra game this year, so you got a 17-game schedule. I did the math before the show. Basically, he would have to average Trevor Lawrence 244 passing yards a game. If the Jags are down in contest, even with nobody to throw to, they're going to be chucking the ball all over the field. So I will go over here on Trevor Lawrence, but a buyer beware note. Remember, quarterbacks do get injured if Lawrence... Down in Jacksonville, not a good team. There's no doubt about that. They're totally rebuilding. So, you know, if he misses a game or two, that number is a little harder to get to. But still, I'm going to take the chance. I'm going to go with the over on that one. It is State Lines where you get the best gambling information out there. He's Kevin Berger. I'm Jason Gotch. One more, Kev, here with the NFL. Zach Wilson, number two overall pick by the Jets. Over 3850, 3,850 and a half passing yards. Over or under, minus 112 both ways. Ooh. Wow, that, that's kind of interesting. Just real quick, Jason, before I get to my face, isn't that interesting that it's minus, you said minus 120, both, both over Minus 112, under? minus oh, 112, 112. That's, that's kind of interesting that it's minus for no matter what uh, no matter what side you pick. Yeah, they but, want that juice out in Vegas <laughs> or here in Logan. They want that juice from all of us. Clearly. Um, yeah, so I think I'll go over on this one, Jason. Um I mean, I do also, I do have to take into consideration that he does have to pay the, he does have to play the Buffalo Bills twice this season. So, I mean, that is going to be a little bit trickier, but um, honestly, I think he's going to have a bit of an easier time um, adjusting in the NFL than Trevor Lawrence is because Zach Wilson has lost before. I mean, let's be honest. I know it's a very, very, very minute criticism, Jason, Trevor Lawrence, just going back to him quickly, has not lost a game in the regular season game—a regular season game since he was in high school. Um, so that that's going to be a little bit of an adjustment. I think Zach Wilson is going to be more than prepared, and yeah, I think uh, he can get over thirty-eight hundred yards. I'd say maybe not quite four thousand, but about thirty-nine hundred, something like that. I'd see reasonable. Yeah, I agree with you. I, again, 17-game schedule adds an extra game here. These teams are not good, and when they're going to be down in games, they're going to be throwing the ball around, and I think Lawrence and Wilson are starters week number one. That helps, too. If there was a number up here for guys like Justin Fields, Trey Lance, even uh, my, even uh, Mac Jones, uh, that would I would hesitate because I don't know if, if those guys are going to start early in the year at all this year. So it's different when you get guys you know are starting week one. So I'm with you on that one too, Kev. We'll go over 38.50 and a half for, for Zach Wilson. And uh, Trevor Lawrence is over. I said I was on as well. Now, one note we want to pass along. 
Uh, one of our co-hosts, John Spataro, also produces the program, does great work with us, as our listeners know. He sent us this note before the show. The Illinois General Assembly, you know, it's the wild, wild west with the Illinois General Assembly and with state <laughs> government here in Illinois. You never know how this is going to pan out. Will Governor Pritzker sign this thing? But a bill has been passed in the General Assembly that will end the prohibition on wagering on college teams that are based in Illinois legally. Remember, when this bill passed last year, you could bet on the Cubs, the White Sox, all the, all the teams out of state and the pro level, and also out of the state teams collegiately. But you could not bet legally on teams based in Illinois. So you couldn't bet on Bradley basketball, Northwestern football, the Illini football team, the Illini basketball team, Southern Illinois, any of their sports. Couldn't bet on those. But this bill will carve out prohibiting sports wagering on college teams in Illinois, passed overwhelmingly in the House and Senate down in Springfield, but with a couple of caveats. You can only place pregame wagers on Illinois collegiate teams, and you have to bet in person at the retail sportsbook. you got to walk into the book and place your bet. You can't do it mobily. So, again, Governor Pritzker has to sign this bill for it to take effect, but it's at least cleared the General Assembly that it, it looks like, especially with overwhelming passage down there, you would think the state wants revenue. Governor Pritzker, well, we haven't heard from him officially, but you would think this has at least a decent chance of becoming a law before the season starts. So I give you this one, Kev, in honor of possibly having legal sports betting on Illinois-based collegiate teams. Brett Bielema, the former Wisconsin Badgers coach, Arkansas coach, uh, bounced around as an NFL assistant the last few years. He is now leading the Illini program year number one. Illinois, 12-game regular season. Their over-under for wins is only three and a half. And just to highlight the Illini schedule here, no Michigan, no Ohio State. They play the Big Ten West, out of conference, Texas-San Antonio. And Charlotte and the University of Virginia are their non-conference. Then uh, the usual West teams like Nebraska, Purdue, uh, Wisconsin, Minnesota, uh, Minnesota's in there. Northwestern's Iowa. in there. Iowa's in there. And then out of conference, they got Maryland or out of the, the division. Rather, they got Maryland, they got Penn State, and they got Rutgers. So, what do you think? Can Brett Bielema get to four wins this year and win this bet? If you say the over, can it happen here, Kev? Um. Well, let's see. Taking a look. Well, I mean, they should definitely be able to beat Rutgers. They should be able to de- beat Charlotte. You know what? Oh, I'm. Man, I want to say yes, Jason, because I want to say that they could beat Maryland, but I but we gotta remember Maryland has been on the up and coming the last couple seasons. I mean, what was that? It wasn't last year, I think, or two years ago. I mean, they took Ohio State right down to the wire, I think a season or two ago. So you know what? I'm honestly gonna say no. I'm gonna say they could only manage three wins. And just real quick, Jason, on the law that, or the potential law, isn't this the most Illinois thing ever? Because <laughs> yes. they, they're, they're passing us a bone. They're like, oh my God, look at us. We're going to lift this. You can bet on You can bet on Illinois college teams, but you have to go in person to do it. And this, that, and the other thing. It's like, why can't you just let it be mobile? We saw earlier this year that, Illinois raked in, I think I think the official totals were in January alone, Jason, $600 million in revenue from sports gambling, and 90% of it was mobile. 90%. 
And that was where you could not bet on an Illinois college-based team for any sport at all. Are you kidding me right now? Like, I understand they want revenue, but do you honestly think so, Jason? Let, I'll just, like, do you honestly think I, where I am in Bartlett and towards the Schomburg area, do you honestly think I'm going to get in my car, drive to the nearest sports book, which to me, I actually don't know where the nearest one would be, actually. I'd have to look that up. But I'm going to get in my car, probably drive at least 45 minutes to an hour, go to a sports book, only to spend five minutes there to place my bet and then leave. You know what? I'm just happy, Kev, that they didn't find a way to tax the betters on this one. I could see, knowing Illinois, they'd be like, okay, well, you can drive to the sports book and we're going to put a 20% excise tax on the fact you're betting on an Illinois college team because nobody takes your money like Springfield does, and that's a historical fact if you look at the way the state's been run over the last few decades. But in reality, yeah, it doesn't make much sense. And here's the reason they're doing this. This is why you couldn't bet on Illinois teams last year. There's this, this school of thinking that they're college kids, they're vulnerable to the people who want to throw games. No, you know, they happen at Northwestern. That, well, that, that's what that's why they did this, and that's why they're doing it with the mobile. Whether you believe that's true or not, certainly that doesn't apply at the professional level. I mean, this is not 1970 when you have guys working at car dealerships in the offseason and playing Major League Baseball uh, during the rest, spring and summer and fall months. I mean, the average salary in MLB is somewhere, I believe, around $5 million a year. There's no incentive to throw a game in any of these pro sports. I was gonna say, Jason, when was the last time that that like when was that point shaving scandal that was you know, what was that back in like the nineteen seventies? Like this is at Northwestern. 19- I went to school there, Kevin. It was in nineteen ninety five, and I can proudly say I knew nothing about it. They were just a bad team, but that's when they were ninety four, ninety five. They were doing. There were some other ones since then. But you know what? If you're gonna, the thing is, like, you, if you want to shape points, you're just gonna go across the border and bribe some other team. You're right. I mean, the idea of this happening now. I mean, could it happen? Sure. It's and and college kids are much more vulnerable to it because they don't make the money the pros do. But in reality, I mean, by just banning it on Illinois teams mobile or banning it, you know, this is this is a instant information society now. If people want to bribe somebody to throw a game, they'll find a way to do it, whether you yep. can bet on it in person or not. Exactly. I, I'm with you. I, I look. I. I think it's a little, but hey, you know what? It's a general assembly in Springfield. Uh, don't they think Ugh. antiquated on most things? I think that's the way they kind of work down there. So, so Fair what enough. do you think though here with the Alina? You think it's going to go? You you don't think you you're you, this is basically the way I look at this one, and I'm going to take it. I, I think you have you're onto something the way you're thinking here, Kev, because I think this is the classic sucker bet. But I'm going to take the sucker bet and say they get to four wins and say over three and a half. But the way you look at this schedule, I think they got two games they definitely should win: Charlotte at home. Texas San Antonio at home. Virginia there will be tough. They'll probably lose it. They and got the rest, Rutgers at home too. Yeah, they got Rutgers at home, but that, that would only get you to three. That would only get you. You got to find that other. They never beat Northwestern. No matter, nope. They could play that game on the moon, and Northwestern beats them. They never uh, beat Iowa. They don't beat Iowa. I mean, Minnesota, they've, they've been okay at times against them, but still, that game's at Minnesota. At Penn State's going to be brutal. No chance. At, at home against Wisconsin, they won that miracle game two years ago when they were down like 30-6, to six, I believe, in the second half, and they rallied to win because Wisconsin went to sleep. But yep. that'll be a, a, a big game because it'll be Bielma against this former team, but that's one they're not favored to win. Illinois, certainly not favored. To, they're not favored to win at Purdue. Maryland here, that's one they could win, but that's not a gimme. And Nebraska at Illinois week one, 
That's that night game, I believe, on a Friday night in late August. Nine-and-a-half-point favorites are the Huskers already in that one in the Week 1 line. So I'm going to say they they win the two that I said, Charlotte and Texas-San Antonio. They beat Maryland here, and somehow they find another one. But, look, the way it reads on the board is a sucker bet. So this is one I'm not confident in. But if I had to flip flip a coin and I'm betting on it, I'm going with the over. Over of three-and-a-half wins. Let's take a break. We come back. A little baseball and NBA for everybody. State lines. He's Kevin Berger. I'm Jason Gotch. More after this. Former White Sox pitcher and announcer Ed Farmer was thrown the biggest curveball of his life when he was told the only thing that could save him was organ donation. My brother Tom, he's the guy that gave me my life back because I was dying. Three more days, I was going to be gone. Ed lived nearly 30 years because of the kidney donation. His legacy will live on through the White Sox and this life-saving program. Join the Illinois Secretary of State's Organ Tissue Donor Registry. I always say heaven knows you can't take them with you. Welcome back to State Lines. He's Kevin Berger. I am Jason Gotch. Let's talk some baseball. So, Kevin, we brought this one up a little earlier in the season on our program. Uh, The National League Central Division winner. The odds have changed a little bit. Our, Our friends out there might be surprised by this. Now, the Brewers and Cardinals are plus 130. They're the favorites to win this division before the Cardinals were a slight favorite. The Cubs are plus 350. The Reds, who stink, are plus 1,400. The Pirates, who are awful. I mean, you get some guys off the Little League field, and they might be able to give them a game. I'm only being half facetious. They're plus 50,000 to win the NL Central. But what I think people might be a little surprised about is the Cubs start. They went 19-8 and in May. They closed April strong. They're 2-0 and at the time of this taping in the month of June, and they're just coming off a sweep of the Padres at Wrigley. Yet the Cubs are only plus 350 to win the division. They're in first place right now. The Brewers and Cardinals are still the favorites at plus – or their Cardinals are still a favorite at plus 130. The Brewers are now also a favorite at plus 130. So what do you think here? I know you were on the Cubs when we talked, and look, you're looking like a uh, – I thought you were looking kind of like a soothsayer with that, the fact the Cubs have been playing so well. But the, the guys who set the lines aren't agreeing. Well, um, Jason, I, I, I can – I, the only thing I can think of is I don't think the Vegas trusts the Cubs in about two months from now because they've been playing great baseball in the first couple months of the season, but I especially don't think they trust the starting rotation that the Cubs have. I mean, they've been hitting the lights out of the baseball right now. They've had some lucky breaks. They've had some pretty solid defensive play. And I mean, their bullpen has looked very good. Craig Kimbrell has had a has had a resurgence after last year, which oh god, that he was not too good the first uh, first year the Cubs had him. He was not all that great. But I don't think Vegas trusts the Cubs in July, August, and September, i.e., the dog days of baseball, more than they trust. The Cardinals or the Brewers. I mean, especially the Cardinals. I think you mentioned it last time, Jason. How many times have the Cardinals been there? They're all—they're like the Patriots of the MLB. They're always in it. They're always competitive. Everybody else around them hates them because they're always good all the time. And, um, yeah, I, I can only imagine that is why. Is I think Vegas is just still a little bit iffy on the Cubs because we've seen them be very good. And we've also seen them be absolutely atrocious. So I don't think we still know exactly what this team is going to look like. So that's my thought as to why their mo- their money line basically has not changed. 
So you sticking with the Cubs here? You're going to roll with them, or you, you see something in the last few weeks you're going to change? No, I'll I'll stick with them at this point. Why not? <laughs> Spoken like a White Sox fan there. I can tell the, the sadness in your voice. I think I'm going to change here and jump on with Kevin. I'm going to jump on the Cubs. Look, they can hit, and they've got a good bullpen. Kev's right. The starting rotation is not very good, and, and that, that's normally a concern. But let's look at the other two teams. The Cardinals are probably the best balanced team, but they've got issues too, especially with Jack Flaherty going down with that that injury, the, the, the side injury where he strained something. He's on the injured list. And, and Mike Schilt just a couple of days ago said, hey, you know what? This doesn't look like a short-term injury, so who knows what they're going to get out of him going forward over the next month or two. Uh, the Brewers can pitch. No doubt about that. they got a good rotation. They cannot hit a lick. They really can't. So uh, I'll jump aboard the Cubs here plus 350. I think that's the best value. I'll jump on that bandwagon with Kev. I'll be a lot more enthusiastic, too, because I'm a Cubs fan, so it's nice to bet on your own team. And they've been playing really some great baseball. I'll give a lot of credit to that. Uh, again, the bullpen and the hitting have come around. If they can find some starting pitching, we'll see what happens. But uh, a big decision's coming up here for Jed Hoyer, the new Cubs boss, who got promoted to take over the whole operation from Theo Epstein. Do you trade Anthony Rizzo now? Do you trade Chris Bryant now? Do you trade Javier Baez now? These guys are all contract. They're, they're free agents at the end of this season. So that was kind of the talk in early April. Well, you know, once we get to the trade deadline, the Cubs are going to have a fire sale. How do you have a fire sale if your team's in first place? I mean, the White Sox did that a generation ago. It was not popular with the fans. I don't think the Cubs can do that this time around if they're in it. They're going to have to hang on to those guys and roll the chips after the season and see what happens. Now, before we get out of here, Kev, we haven't talked much NBA so far this spring, but we'll do that right now as the playoffs uh, first round in full swing, and we've already had some teams advance to round two. So let's go with the – forget the championship winner. Let's do the conferences here as we close out uh, this segment and this show for state lines. Let's go with the – Eastern Conference winner. Do you have the Nets at minus 143, the Bucks at plus 250, the Sixers at plus 400, the Hawks at plus 1700? What do you think right here with the Eastern Conference in the NBA? Oh, dear. I, I really hate to be just that bandwagon guy, Jason, but, I mean, I got to go with the Nets. I, I do not see any of these other three teams that are in the East as being able to compete with the Nets in a seven-game series. The Net, they have too much firepower. Um, Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irvin, DeAndre Jordan, Blake Griffin, um, Je uh, Jeff Green. The, the, they have too much firepower on this Nets team to be stopped. Um, the Hawks, I love how much Trey Young and John Collins have improved um, but they're, they're not there yet. The 76ers, I will never trust the Philadelphia 76ers because, again, Joel Embiid is hurt again. Surprise, surprise. Uh, ben Simmons is not going to be the guy that's going to get you to a championship, at least not as he is now. And the Bucks, I guess, are the only other real option, but all they are in the playoffs is Giannis. I mean, I know Chris Middleton is there, but Chris Middleton, when the game's on the line, especially in elimination sort of style games or high-pressure games, I don't know, it always seems like he ends up disappearing when they need him the most. And the Bucks, Dante DiVincenzo being out hurts them. And they don't have anybody else on that team to pick up the slack. So I'm going to go with the only real option in the East and take the Nets. All right, the Nets, not a likable bunch as far as I'm concerned. You got Kevin Durant. I don't think he gets him personally. I just, you know, he won enough when he was the Warriors. Kyrie Irving's kind of out there. 
Uh, James Harden with the Rockets was always a guy that was easy to cheer against. So, I'm, you know what? I'm a, the Bucks are under man, but Giannis is as good as anybody in the league still, in my opinion. So, I'm going to go with the Bucks here. I'm going to say they pull a surprise against the Nets, and they eventually make it to the final. I'm not too complicated about I'm not too rather uh, confident in that prediction, but I don't want to lay the favorite money down. So, I'll take the, hey, I'm going to put $50 down and win an additional 125 So, I'll go with the Bucks and say, they overcome some of the injury issues that they've been had going on. And so they don't look like the same team as last year, but we'll see what happens. Now, over in the West, we still have, of course, some teams who haven't advanced yet past the first round. As first round series are still going on. The Jazz, who did advance to round two uh, yesterday by beating the Grizzlies, eliminating them in five games. They're plus 140. Suns are plus 350. Lakers, the defending champs, down 3-2 to the Suns in that series. They're plus 500. Clippers, plus 550. They're in some trouble. Nuggets, plus 1,000. Mavs plus 1,600, Blazers plus 3,000. What do you got here, Kev? you got some long shots on the board that probably won't even make it, obviously, out of the first round. But what do you think here in the West? Oh, well, so, Jason, I've been doing a lot of thinking about this, and I kind of had to do it by a process of elimination. Um, I don't think the Mavericks – I mean, the Mavericks are not there yet. Um, The Trailblazers, I love watching Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. But the biggest weakness for the Blazers has been their weakness for the last four or five years. They can't play any defense. When the push comes to shove, they can't play any defense, so they're out. And in the NBA playoffs, you have to be able to play some type of defense. If you can't get stops when you game, you're not going to win. Um, I, I want to take the Clippers, Jason, because of how they've started. They finally have woken up, first of all, against the Mavericks. They've actually started to wake up now. But also is I am a huge fan of playoff Rondo and Rajon Rondo in the playoffs. The stats have pointed to it. He he plays. He's on a different level compared to everybody else around him. Um, with that being said, I am going to take a little bit of a different approach than what I've normally. I am going to say the Phoenix Suns. I'm going to say Chris Paul finally, finally gets his first shot in an NBA championship atmosphere. I'm going to take the Suns. All right. Kevin locked in with the Phoenix Suns. I'm going to go Jazz here. I I agree with Kev. Defense is so important in the NBA playoffs. You talk about offense in the regular season, but defense really matters. And the Jazz are one of the best, if not the best defensive team in the NBA. They they do play great team defense. It's a good story. Utah hasn't been in this type of position since they had Stockton and Malone a generation ago. And they, I'm convinced those Jazz teams of the 90s would have won at least one title if Michael Jeffrey Jordan, the greatest player ever, didn't get in the way. So I'm going to go Jazz. I think the, the issues right now, I think the Lakers are in trouble down 3-2 in that series to the Suns. Clippers also down to the Mavs, 3-2. I think that's a big problem for them. The road team's won every game in that series so far in the first round. So I'm going to go with the Jazz. I think they get there. Jazz Bucks would be fun. You know, for all the NBA fans out there that were sick of, you know, Warriors and Cavs for four straight years and some of these teams that are always in there, I mean, Jazz, Bucks, small markets, that'd be enjoyable for an NBA Finals. So I'm going to go with the Jazz to win the West. That'll do it for State Lines. He's Kevin Berger. I'm Jason Gotch. Enjoy the gambling, everybody. We will talk to you real soon. And thanks for listening to another episode of our program. This show is for entertainment purposes only. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER.